Chapter 5 Hermione landed badly and fell onto her back, sending her small suitcase flying over her head. She stared up at the sky, trying to catch her breath, and snorted. Sitting up, she looked around and saw Bert Fiendsmith ten feet away lying in a similar state, only his suitcase had sprung open and his clothes, books, and papers were festooned about the French countryside. Bloody portkey, he snapped. He rolled onto his knees and started snatching up his things and shoving them back into the case. It did seem that that one was more than a bit off, she said. Are we sure we're even in France? Just then, there was a mild squeal and a diminutive Filipino which popped out of thin air and landed hard. Trudy Pampanga tried to catch herself, but only managed to take about a dozen steps at a dead run before doing a faceplant. Hello, Trudy. Good of you to make it, Bert called with a laugh. We'd better get out of the landing zone, he said to Hermione. She nodded and grabbed her suitcase. Once she was standing, she could see the pavilion tents. She pointed, and when Trudy was on her feet and Bert's items had been collected, they set off. What's first on the agenda? Trudy asked as she rubbed her jaw. A chiropractor, Bert replied, twisting his chest from right to left. Hermione smirked at him. First up, is the seminar on the properties of avian interstitial fluid in tracking viral deviation. Oh, good lord, Bert replied. Is that Davis, Davis, and Hamilton again? Those plonkers must drink that damned bird juice. To listen to them, it would cure all the world's ills. I'll skip it. They make me want to hit something, and I'm supposed to be watching my blood pressure. Careful! Trudy said with a laugh. They'll tell you it will cure hypertension as well. What else? Targeting cytotoxic T-cells, Hermione answered. I want to go to that one. Bert nodded. That one's right up your alley. You should go. In fact, is there anything else good conflicting? I think we all might catch that one. Palliative therapies for gout. Bert grunted. I'll take that one, then. That's a good one, too. Anything else? Not at the same time. At ten, there's lecture on the imperious curse's involvement in cases of monophagia and effective potion therapies. Trudy nodded. I'll take that one. They crested the hilltop and saw the view down the slope to the city of Rowan. It was majestic. Hermione smiled sadly. She wished Lee had come. He'd have liked this. However, things had been difficult between them lately, and they decided that he would only grow bored and restive while she attended the conference, and that would only increase their chance of getting into another argument. She sighed and headed after the others to find the tent that held the accommodations for the St. Mungo's potioners. Hermione popped open her eyes and looked around in sudden fear. When the loud snore came again, she took a deep breath and relaxed. It hadn't been her. She rubbed at her eyes and did her level best to try and pay attention. 
It was the third day of the conference, and the eager excitement she always brought to these things had faded predictably. This particular lecture had looked fascinating in the program, but Madame Vindenberg seemed to have the innate ability to suck all the interest out of the topic and leave only the dry husk of recited statistics for her audience to chew on. She shook her head. She'd have to get the published version of this lecture. She wasn't going to remember a thing if she kept falling asleep. She slipped off her chair and duck-walked down the row to the aisle, trying to avoid stepping on people's toes, and then darted toward the exit. A dark shape to her left made her turn, and she stopped in her tracks at the sight of Severus Snape, also trying to escape the lecture. He saw her a moment later, and his eyes widened in surprise. As he drew close, he prodded her elbow and urged her through the tent flap. "'My apologies,' he said once they were through. "'I didn't want to hold a reunion in the doorway where everyone could see us.' "'How are you, Miss... Mrs. Jordan?' She smiled and stepped out of the way of another escapee. "'Won't you call me Hermione?' "'I'm fine. How are you?' You look, well, amazing compared to the last time I saw you. And he did. He'd gained his weight back and perhaps a bit more. He looked healthy, although he was still pale. Even his hair looked shiny as opposed to just greasy. It was still lank, but what can be done with hair like that? He was dressed in his usual style, black with a side of extra buttons, but his clothes looked neat and well-tailored. She realized she was staring and felt herself blush. I'm sorry. You, you just look really good. He gave her a strained smile. I have an hour before the next seminar I was looking to attend. Would you like to get some coffee? He asked it casually, but she caught the nervous way he opened and closed his hands. I would enjoy that she said. He gestured to the dining pavilion and they set off. What lecture are you going to next? she asked. Scorches. Ah, my colleague called dibs on that one. I'm attending Lumet's. Lumet's still a complete fool and all your intellectual adoration won't change that. She laughed. They had differed on Lumet's work when she'd been his apprentice usually at the top of their lungs. Someday, I might just come to agree, but it won't be today, she said with a smile. He darted a look at her, and his eyes crinkled the slightest bit. Then there's hope for you yet. She laughed again and followed him to an empty table. He held a chair out for her, and when she was seated, waved imperiously for a server and gave their order. So how have things been? she asked. I can tell some good things have been happening. You're positively glowing with health, he smirked. How do you know it's not a glamour? She froze and her heart gave a painful thump. Is it? she blurted, leaning forward. His eyes widened. No, no, that, that was a poor attempt at humor, I'm sorry. He grimaced and clenched his hands into fists. It seems that the last few conversations between us have consisted of various ways for me to say I'm sorry. 
She winced. Perhaps that's just what we get for spending two years finding various ways to say, shut your gob. He snorted and gave her a wry nod, and she felt like they had only just managed to avert a disaster they hadn't seen coming. They remained quiet as their coffee arrived with a plate of flaky pastries. Where are you working? she asked. I'm still with Big B, he replied. Andrew Stern was fired, so I took his job. She nodded, understanding. Are you still just a brewer? His head snapped up, and she realized it had sounded like a judgment. She shook her head and held up her hands, but he made a calming gesture. Brewing is all I can handle right now. I need to keep my life simple and not make too many decisions. Coming here is just a test of sorts to see if I'm even interested in picking up where I left off. She nodded. That sounds like a very wise plan. It's easy to grab more than we can handle and then get crushed under the weight of it. He gave her a small smile and his eyes held a glint of relief. He bobbed his head several times. Exactly. What lectures have you been to so far? she asked. He sat back and smirked, and they began to discuss everyone they'd heard over the last three days and quietly debated their assessments. He lifted his hands finally and said, I'm done. You're deluded, and there's nothing to be done about it. And I need to go if I'm going to make the next lecture. She gave him a broad smile. This was rather fun, wasn't it? He smirked. I would concur that it was something vaguely in the area of amusing. She stood up and he followed. Are you going to Solievo's lecture in the morning? He shook his head. I leave tonight. Her smile fell. Oh. I only had three days off, he explained. I see. She struggled to keep her disappointment off her face and stuck out her hand. It was good to see you again. Whatever you're doing, keep doing it. I hope to see you at the next conference in six months. Perhaps. It was a pleasure, he said, shaking her hand with awkward formality. Without further ado, he turned and walked away. Hermione watched him until there wasn't a speck of black to be seen. Snape walked into the room stiffly and sat in the hard-backed chair. He placed his hands on his thighs, just so, took a deep breath and held it for three heartbeats, as usual, and then slowly blew it out. How was the conference? Dr. Peoples asked with a warm smile. I saw her, he blurted. There was a pause, and Dr. Peoples nodded slowly in understanding. You knew that would probably happen. How do you feel about seeing her again? It's been almost nine months. Snape swallowed convulsively and closed his eyes. It was terrible, he whispered. Why? His eyes snapped open and he glared at her. You bloody well know why. What the fuck have I been sitting here wasting my time for if you're going to play stupid when I need you? She sighed, and her warm eyes filled with a sadness that made him feel like a bastard. 
Severus, you know you can't talk to me that way. You also know that I need you to tell me clearly. It would do you no good if I were to make assumptions. You need to say it so you can own it and we can deal with it. Now, I'm going to ask you again. Why was it so terrible to see Hermione again? He struggled with his wild and hurt-filled anger and finally blurted, Because I still fucking love her. He sagged back, defeated. She's so fucking perfect, he said quietly. I thought I was stronger. It's not love, it's obsession. You admitted as much months ago. Sought off. Severus. But she is worthy. She forgave me, didn't she? Lily never forgave me, damn it. And what I did to Hermione was far more vile by several orders of magnitude. There was a silence for a moment. Lily didn't call you a supercilious piker amongst other more unsavory things for two solid years. Severus, you and Hermione couldn't stand to be in the same room with each other before the incident, and now, based on an emotionally violent act in which you were both horrendously victimized, you love her. That isn't even remotely healthy. She fucking forgave me. Severus, if you're going to speak in a threatening way, you'll have to leave. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. There's no wiggle room here, Severus. You simply can't. It's not addictive. I made sure of it. Physical addiction has nothing to do with it. You're compulsive by nature. You're intelligent enough to know that you use it to hide from your pain. Wouldn't it be better to be free of the pain altogether? That will never happen while you're using. He stared out the window for a long moment before he replied, Fine. I'd like to try something. Do you have access to a pensive? He reared back in his chair as if he was going to climb over the back of it and escape. If you think I'm going to go back and watch while I rape her, you can go... No. I want you to go back and look at the time you two spent working together. I want you to revisit the dynamic that existed before that night. Do you think you could? Severus scrunched his eyes closed and sighed. The sounds of traffic dragged on before he quietly whispered, All right. You haven't mentioned Hermione yet today. Tell me, did you look at any of your memories? I did. And? Can't we talk about something else? We're always banging on about Granger. Personally, it's getting tedious. Dr. Peoples nodded and... He relaxed when he saw the lack of censure in her eyes. What would you like to talk about instead? He waved a hand. You pick the topic. All right. She paused and his gut clenched with foreboding. 
Why had he said that? Let's talk about Lily Evans, she said in a gentle tone. He flinched as if from a blow. You're making remarkable progress, you know. Am I? It doesn't feel like it. That's because there's a lot on your plate. However, I think you are. When was the last time you got high? Three months ago. She smiled broadly. That's wonderful. He gave her a small smile, pleased with himself, and then changed the topic to what he really wanted to tell her. I went to the cemetery yesterday. Where Lily is buried? No, I went to see my parents. Oh, Severus, that was a big step. I'm very proud of you. He swallowed and stared at the window shade, bobbing his head once in acknowledgement. Tell me what you're feeling. He sighed, flexing the fingers on his thighs. Small. I feel curiously small. Isn't there a potioner's conference coming up soon? November. Last month? You didn't mention it. Why? Because I knew she'd be there, and I... I didn't want to see her. I've come to understand that the dynamic between us is innately unhealthy. Until I get through my issues, it's best that I don't bog things down with extraneous emotional feedback. Don't you think? I agree completely. That was a very mature decision. I'm just curious as to why you never mentioned it. Perhaps I'm getting to the point where I don't need so much bloody hand-holding. Dr. Peoples gave him a long look and then her brown eyes turned sad. Severus, when was the last time you got high? He grimaced and contracted his hands into fists scrunching his shoulders up to his ears. November. She let out a long, sad sigh. I had lunch with Minerva yesterday. How did it go? Well, we have plans to go to the symphony in two weeks. That sounds marvelous. Reconnecting can be a scary thing. How are you feeling? Silly. I feel silly. This... He waved his hand about the room as if it contained all of his problems. It all just feels so very silly. I'm tired of it all. I don't want this anymore. I don't want to be angry or depressed or obsessional. I just... He wrapped his arms around his middle and leaned forward. I just don't want to be alone anymore. I'm so... I'm so very tired of being alone. And you're making good progress towards dealing with that. Re-establishing your friendships will help. In time, you'll be secure enough to find a way to reconnect with someone on a more intimate level. It will be slow, but it will happen. He snorted and rolled his eyes. I don't suppose you could arrange for it to happen sooner rather than later, before I wank my tadger off. She laughed and he smirked, feeling curiously lighter. 
I've come to realize she was nothing more or less than just a bright and caring person with a hidden streak of callousness, and had I not been so damnably lonely, I wouldn't have recreated her into the false image I needed her to wear. And how do you feel about that? Empty. But in a good way. Like, I've tapped the last of it and it's done. Dr. Peoples smiled warmly. I'm very proud of you. That is a hell of an accomplishment. Thank you. Lily has been a torment for a very long time. How do you think you'll handle being free of her? I'm not sure, really. Do you feel any urge to self-medicate? He inhaled and let it go slowly. No, I haven't in a long while. Will you call me if you feel tempted? He grimaced, feeling like a little boy, but nodded. An interesting thing happened to me yesterday. Tell me. Skylar blew up at me at work over something that wasn't my fault. How did you react? He shook his head. I didn't. I didn't feel defensive. I didn't want to rip his head off his neck. I just... I knew it wasn't my problem and that he was simply being an idiot. I wasn't angry, just annoyed. That's very good. How did you feel afterwards? He thought about it for a moment and then looked back at her. Smug. You haven't said whether or not you would go to Tuscany for the conference in April. I'm not going. I see. Can you tell me why? You know why. Severus. He heaved a sigh. Right. Fine. It's because she will be there. There will only be about 400 people in attendance. I'm sure to run into her again. All right. That's a very valid reason. But I thought you had said you'd come to terms with your feelings for her. You said that you felt you could keep things in perspective now despite your lingering attachment. What changed? Severus scowled at her. She wasn't divorced before, he snapped. She's free now, isn't she? It was in all the papers. It's too... Scrunching up his face, he shook his head. Tempting. His arms wrapped around his middle. Make a fool of myself, he said, rocking slightly. I just need to stay away from her. I think that's a very wise choice. Severus, he spun around. Hermione, what the devil are you doing here? She raised her eyebrows. It would appear I was here purchasing books. She pointed at the stack in his hand. Should I ask what you're doing, or can I leap to a conclusion? He winced at this echo of an old argument, but saw the glimmer of humor in her eye. I think you could make a valid presumption, but until I actually purchase the books, it doesn't preclude the possibility that I might have only wanted to stand in the queue, holding 
books. This is England, after all. Cues are a national pastime. She laughed, and the sound went straight to his chest and squeezed. I see I shall have to stand behind you and monitor your behavior in order to make a more complete analysis of the situation. With a delightful giggle, she dismissed their play. How are you? He hugged his purchases close to his chest to hide the beating of his heart. I'm well. And you? A tightening around her eyes presaged her wan smile. I'm doing well enough. I read about your marital difficulties. You have my sympathy. Something like that must be challenging enough without it being an item of interest in the paper. Thank you. It wasn't fun on several fronts. I will admit that. Next! He turned and scowled at the witch behind the register, shoving his books at her and turning back. I thought you would be in Tuscany, attending the conference. She grimaced and flapped a dismissive hand. I took a pass this time. I let one of the newer people go instead. I didn't see you in Stockholm last autumn. Were you there? He paid for his books and stepped back as she placed hers on the counter. No, I didn't bother. She nodded. And you skipped Tuscany as well. Does this mean you've decided to keep things small? He waited until she'd finished paying and they'd both turned away from the counter. For now, I have enough on my plate at the moment. He held the door for her and followed her through. I read your paper on thistle seed oil. It was interesting. She laughed. It wasn't my paper. My name was one of six attached to it. I really only confirmed the initial findings. I thought that paper rather dull, to be honest, and I wish my colleague hadn't been so generous with her attributions. He grimaced. Actually, I thought the paper was insipid, but I was trying not to offend. Which way are you going? She gestured in the same direction he needed, and he stepped off up the pavement. What sort of research are you doing now? he asked as she fell into step next to him. Cytotoxic T-cells. I'm working with Asquith and Brussels. Mostly we meet about once a month and argue with each other. Asquith makes up for his lack of intuition by thinking he's a genius. I agree wholeheartedly. He resents the progress I've made without him and it, it's disrupting the work. I want to cut him loose, but the original breakthrough was his, and it would be bad form. He snorted. I always detested the politics of ego. She laughed. Sadly, that seems to be about 60% of our field. It comprised about 90% of the Death Eaters, he drawled, earning a surprised look become so used to saying anything with Dr. Peoples that he only just realized he'd never brought that subject up with anyone before. She stopped beside a bright red door. This is me now. I just moved in last week. He felt a burst of anguish that their walk was over. I live just up the way, he said inanely. 
The look of relief on her face stabbed him with the memory that she'd seen where he'd lived before. May I ask why you decided not to go to Tuscany? He asked in an attempt to draw out the moment. She wrinkled her nose. My honeymoon was in Tuscany. Going back there so soon after the divorce seemed too much like pouring salt on the wound. Ah, uh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have pride. It's fine. Each day is a step in the right direction, right? He nodded at one of the more familiar phrases from his therapy sessions. Do you still see Dr. Peoples? Her eyes widened in surprise, but then she shook her head. I saw her a few times after I found you. I needed a little gluing back together, and I spoke to her on the phone a few times during the divorce, but that's all. Did... did you ever look her up? He nodded. It took a few months, but I did eventually. I still see her once a week. She gave him a dazzling smile that nearly seized his heart. I'm glad. She saved me. Tilting her head to the side, she asked. Have you plans for dinner? Perhaps we could grab a bite. He blinked several times, his need to say yes nearly choking him. I, I can't. I'm sorry. I have things to do. Her smile grew wistful. Ah, uh, well, another time, perhaps. It was lovely seeing you again. He backed away, struggling to find his voice. You as well, he rasped. He turned and walked on, forcing himself to leisurely pace. Hermione was late for work. She'd had the most wonderful dream, and when her alarm had gone off, she'd slapped it into submission and dove back under her eyelids. Now, she was running behind and wouldn't have time to stop at the bakery two doors down and grab her usual croissant. She thumped down the stairs from her flat and whipped open the door. A dark sleeve blocked her way, holding a bag from the bakery that smelled divine. Severus! She couldn't help the enormous grin on her face. She'd been hoping to see him again since they'd run into each other at the bookshop a month ago. Now that she had, she was almost ridiculously pleased. What are you doing here? I thought that would be obvious. I'm stalking you. He pushed off the building, where he'd been leaning and started walking. You're late. I know. She grabbed the bag and opened it. How did he know I'm late? She broke off a piece of flaky croissant and stuffed it into her mouth before offering him a piece. And how did he know I love croissants? He shook his head and replied, Because I've been watching you, hence the term stalking and not being neighborly. They set off up the road towards the leaky where she usually flew to work. Yes, but stalking doesn't quite carry that desirable sense of friendly. Actually, it usually falls into the category of disturbing. How long have you been stalking me? I just started a few days ago. That's when I noticed we leave for work about the same time each day. All I've managed to discern so far is what you eat for breakfast and when. So you're just a morning stalker? Pretty much. 
The times I leave work are unpredictable. I've yet to see you on the way home. I see. She stuffed another bite into her mouth. You're not, you know, peeking in my window and all the rest, are you? He shook his head. Too tawdry and far too much effort. Well, that's almost reassuring. He stopped outside of the apothecary. This is me, he said, his face a stony mask once more. Have a good day. You as well, and thank you for the croissant. He nodded and pushed open the door, disappearing inside. She grinned and shook her head in happy confusion as she turned away, shoving the last bite into her mouth.